from the UTRGV School of Medicine, this is the Wellness Podcast. In this episode, we take a deep dive with one of our very own medical students and discuss the challenges that exist in your first year of medical school adjustment. Hello there, students. Welcome to our third official recording of our podcast. Today, we have with us Valerie Rivera, our fantastic uh, School of Medicine counselor. And joining us today as a super special guest, we have Andrea Soto Abarca. She is a third-year medical student here with us, and she is going to be sharing some of her knowledge as she has spent time here in our medical school. So welcome, ladies. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited for this. We're happy to have you. And so today's topic, we're going to be talking about uh, the adjustment that one goes through um, upon going into medical school. And so to get us started, um, I'm going to ask Valerie, kind of like what is adjustment and, and why is adjusting considered a mental health issue? Yeah, so this is known as adjustment disorder. Of course, there are different um, criteria that have to be met, right? But in general, it's really a short-term condition that comes up with um, difficulties in managing different stressful life situations or changes. Um, so this is this really just means that we're having some struggles in coping with the changes and we need some time to regulate our daily functionality with changes such as medical school. Okay. And so um, I also wanted to touch base a little bit because in previous episodes, you talked about how like the number one thing you can do when you get into medical school is know and understand what challenges lie ahead. So know what your own mental health is before coming to medical school and that way you're like in a good position to deal with it. And so I kind of wanted to see what you had to say about kind of like pre-existing mental health issues and if or not they're exacerbated by taking on new situations and new environments. Yeah. So we, we may have, you know, like you said, pre-existing conditions within us, right. That sometimes going through adjustments, Um, such as medical school may trigger these things, right? So some of the signs and symptoms that we may experience as we go through the adjustment process is sadness, you know, hopelessness, um, some crying spells, feeling more nervous or anxious about what's coming up, Um, some some feelings of desperation, you know, um, not being able to manage a lot of what is being presented. Um, and especially feeling overwhelmed, right? Sometimes thoughts of suicide will also show up. And so a lot of these things, if not addressed, you know, at least within the first three months that you start to experience this can lead to more diagnoses such as depression, anxiety, sometimes our post-traumatic stress will start to show up because we haven't dealt with other issues or situations from our past. So then we really start to feel overwhelmed, right? Not only are we now going through the adjustment process of medical school, but then all of these other things start to show up as some students say out of nowhere. 
And so these are the things that we want to look out for as you begin medical school and really be in the know of what your daily functionality and health look like before starting. You know, so that looks like you're, you're, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're exercising, all of those connections that you have with people. How do you get back into something um, like that? Got it. And so now we get to talk to Andrea. <laughs> and so I guess if you could tell us a little bit about, I mean, because as, as friendly as we try to make our medical school, it's still medical school. So it's still a monumental challenge to take on. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience, like when you first came into our school and, and maybe some challenges that you encountered um, as a first year medical student. Yeah, absolutely. So wanted to paint a picture to see if this podcast helps someone that was in my shoes or that is coming in similar to my background. So I was a non-traditional student. I graduated from University of Texas at Austin and then worked as a real adult for maybe two, three years, <laughs> experiencing life outside of a school environment. And so I came into medical school with no um, basically, there was a gap of learning and what it entailed to be sitting down for eight hours a day. So that adjustment of a new environment. So we moved from Austin to the Valley, completely different cities, uh, being away from your friends, from your partner, potentially, or your parents being alone. Um, all of those entail such a big impact that we think maybe it's, it's not going to be a big deal but it definitely makes a difference. And for me, my mom actually came with me to live in the Valley. Yeah, so she was my savior and she basically helped me with all the things that you need to survive, cooking, cleaning, making your bed, making your lunches, making sure you eat something healthy and not just Chick-fil-A down the street. Um, so she was my support and not a lot of students have that. Not everybody has that privilege and that opportunity to have a parent or someone with that role that can take that for you. So I think that was a huge piece that helped me keep going and actually get through the first uh, semester of med school. Outside of that, medical school is like a four-year or maybe even more years marathon where you juggle everything around you. You have a full-time job, even though you're not getting paid. Um, you actually are paying <laughs> the school for this, right? So a lot of um, things that are on your plate that can include learning how to study, learning how to actually learn in a different environment from undergrad or from a master's degree to this high-paced um, teaching where it is definitely like the metaphor, right? The fire hose sort of idea, but the fire hose won't affect everybody the same. That's what I didn't know. You don't know what that's gonna translate into when you're in medical school. And for me, it became uh, very overwhelming the first week of um, our first class. And I remember frantically calling Valerie's office trying to get an appointment as soon as that first week ended, because I was like, nope, this is, I'm not going to make it. This is too much. It's that imposter syndrome, right? That you're not capable and that you're just here by luck. Um, and so that was the beginning of the first week for me in medical school. Oh my. Yeah. It's definitely unique. I had something similar. Like I wish I could have brought my mom with me when I started interviewing for like residency spots. Valerie, you're going to be like, what? 
I took my mom with me to every single one of those. So yeah. I towed her around with me all over Texas. Um, cause I, I did, for whatever reason, it was very narrow when I, when I was applying to residencies, um, and even for medical school, she was my date. So I get you. And it is mm-hmm. a huge blessing that you yes. were able to bring your mother with you, but it is a rough gig. And I, I didn't come from like a non-traditional environment, but I came from a very poor family and nobody told me I wasn't supposed to work while I was in medical school. So this is something that just made it way worse because I've always worked. I've worked since I was 16 years old and I had to like help contribute to my family since, since then and all through college. And so like, nobody was like, you know, medical school is supposed to be your full-time job, right? You're not supposed to like do anything outside of that. I I had no idea. I was working um, in the hospitality industry. I would greet <laughs> guests and like take them to their rooms and like show them where they were gonna stay. Um, but yeah, that 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 made it way 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 harder because I had always worked and nobody nobody told me. I didn't even know what the USMLE step one was. That's how like I knew that I needed to take an MCAT to get in here, and that's about as far as it went. Like when I got here, I, I didn't really think much past that. Um, so that means you just wanted to get in. (laughs) I just wanted to get in and then I'll be like, we'll see what happens later. Um, but definitely, and, and it wasn't necessarily like a friendly environment. Did you find other students that were willing to be like, oh, like this is hard and I'm struggling as well. Or like, is it still like when I went to school where everybody was like, woo, I got this. And I felt like I was all by myself. How, how, how did you perceive it? Yeah, I feel in the same boat of the solitude. Um, you compare yourself instantly. So you're all in this little bubble of 50 students, and we all want to pretend that everything is going perfectly. We are not taught that we can show vulnerability and weaknesses and just ask for help, right? So we, for me at least, I had a really hard time finding anyone who had a similar background as me, um, being from an immigrant family, also being a non-English speaker, being um, undocumented before, and that struggle of also working since you were 15 and, you know, family dynamics and all of that. So connecting and finding a new community was very difficult um, in our small medical school. And that aspect also made it very difficult because you are just craving for, you know, to fit in, to keep up, to not fall behind, um, to pass your exams, right? So you don't want to show that you're weak in any sort of way. Because at the end of the day, people may think that we're competing against each other. And that mentality is not very healthy either. It becomes very toxic if that's how you see things around you. That totally bums me out here. I'm thinking that or like, oh, it's so much a nicer and a friendlier place where in fact it may be just as bad as when I went. So Valerie, do you do you encounter a lot of students that feel the same? Like what what do you tell them to do? Now now you have to tell us what do you, what do you do with that? Talk to each other, right? And this is this is a part of why um it's important. And I'm so grateful and thankful that Andrea decided to come on 
and talk about her own struggles because if we don't talk about them, then we are essentially enabling the environment in which our students are in, right? And there's only so much that we can do as professionals, but we have to figure out a way to get students to talk to each other and be vulnerable and share the stories and struggles that they're experiencing. Because if not the environment, you know, the atmosphere will never change. It'll, it'll continue to, I mean, look at how long it's been since you've been in school, right? Dr. Escalona, you, you mentioned years. Yeah. And the environment is still the same, right? I mean, so, so it's, a, it's a little, it's a little heartbreaking when students come in and they're experiencing the same things, right? And they're telling me I'm the only one. And I'm thinking, no, you're not <laughs> go talk to each other, you know? Um, and so, so I'm, I'm real grateful that Andrea is speaking about her own struggles because look at where she is today, right? I'm so proud of all of the things that she's accomplished and where she's at today as a third year medical student. Thank you. So how did you, like, what is it that you did to try to like overcome Andrea? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mention a little bit of how I knew I had an issue and that I needed help. So I think a lot of the things that Valerie teaches you as you work with her is recognizing your own body, your signs, the symptoms that we see in our own uh, manifest of anxiety and stress and how that looks in different people. And so for me, it was heart palpitations. I think I even mentioned that to you once, Dr. Escalona, I came to your office thinking, is there something wrong with my heart? Um, And also not being able to shut off my brain. So you become like, um, so you want to be studying all the time and you can't tell your brain to just slow down, to stop, to breathe. Um, And it ended up manifesting into insomnia and I couldn't sleep. And it was just um, compounding on top of each other. It was a cycle that I wasn't able to break maybe mid two months into it that I needed to go seek a psychiatrist for help. And after working with Valerie and continuing to work with Valerie, plus the psychiatrist support, um, plus my mom being at home, right? And so I was trying to get all the support I could from around me. And finally, maybe two and a half months, I started balancing out. It was, um, I was sleeping better. I was able to rest. I was able to just calm myself down, right? You um, do a lot of meditation stuff and a lot of like self-awareness. So that was very helpful to also try. And those symptoms, if I had ignored them, maybe I wouldn't have made it. Who knows, right? I The sleep was definitely very difficult to overcome because we had to be in school. This is before COVID. So we would have to be in school early in the morning till maybe 5 p.m. and then go home. And so I knew immediately that first week, you need help. It's okay to ask for help. You know, that's why the office of Valerie and the other um, mental health providers exists. That's why they're here. And that's the first step that I would recommend anyone to get the help that you need immediately. Don't let it fester. Don't let it boil inside. Um, And I did end up trying to find friends that I trusted. I think I have a pretty good intuition of who would be, you know, willing to listen and who has space and also that emotional cap- uh, capacity, right, to listen to someone else when they may be going through stuff too. Um, so slowly but surely, I found my group of friends, and till this day, they've been, um, we've been singing together and making it through. 
You'll see that with time, those people are going to be your best friends forever. My best (laughs) friends to this day are the four humans that, you know, that were my best friends in medical school, but even finding them was a Mm -hmm. rough gig. And so my, my med school was bigger, but I remember like, it was very, and and I don't think, I don't know what's a way to like get around this, but it was very clickish. So like initially when I, and I mean, I, I, I didn't live in Galveston before that's where I trained. And so when I first got to med school, there was a a group of non-traditional students, they were older, but they had like this amazing study group. I will tell you one day I asked them, can I join your study group? And they were like, now, Oh my God. And so it's, it's, it it was very difficult to find like a small little tribe of people that, you know, I could talk to and we were all going through the same process. And so it made, it made all the difference in the world. So to through all three, uh, well, because two of them are married out of the four, two of them are married. And so out of all three, um, I am godmother to their kids. Like this Mm -hmm. bond will never go away. I'm just telling you these people like your BFFs for life, <laughs> just like mine are. And I love them dearly. And I still call them to this day, even though they don't live anywhere near me. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's really interesting, but also challenging to try and find your tribe for yeah, sure. Even, even with a small class, you can see the clicks forming. Um, maybe, you know, people from the Valley or people who know each other before coming into school and, um, that caught me off guard. I was like, what is this high school again? <laughs> you I would, thought I left that. <laughs> but it's true. You're like, what it happened? Is. I thought I was too old for this. Apparently <laughs> we're not. Go figure. It makes no sense. So Valerie, what other, um, what other recommendations do you have for like new incoming students that may be struggling? Yeah, you know, I want to highlight one of the things that Andrea mentioned, which is this um, running, what you say, Andrea, running a marathon, right? It, it's it's not a sprint, so which means that if you think it's a sprint, you're going to guess out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so being able to recognize um, what it is that you're needing to keep up with the marathon, right? Finding that balance. And that looks very different for everybody, you know, but I always, again, you're going to, you're going to think I'm on repeat here because I am it's daily functionality, right? You're eating, you're sleeping and you're exercising. And the reason for that is because those are your fundamentals. What Andrea said was that she was not sleeping, right? She, she had insomnia, And so Andrea, if you think back to the time that you weren't sleeping, everything else was in disarray for you. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was nothing else you could do for yourself at that point in time. Am I right? Yeah, it was a domino effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's one of the things that I continuously stress to students is that if you do, if you let go of those three things, thinking that you're going to have more time to study you're already losing because you're not going to have enough gas in the tank to, to, to sustain it. And that's what it is. It's sustainability, right? What is your eating? What is your sleeping? And what is your ex- exercise regimen looking like to keep up with the marathon? I mean, you're talking about four plus years, right? And so th- mm-hmm. that's, I mean, very, it sounds very basic, but that's what you have to remember. It's that as basic as it sounds, it's probably the hardest thing to keep up with. Absolutely. And just um, some friends will recognize this, but I would always have my little lunch bag with me because mm-hmm. mom made my lunch bag. <laughs> I was, um, And I would be in class there eating my carrots and my hummus. And so people kept noticing like, 
wow, she has very healthy snacks all the time. And even to this day, my friends will remind me of that. Like, Andrea, I remember when you would show up to class with your damn carrots all day. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, it made a difference. And that replicates itself when you get to second year and you do dedicated. It's the exact same thing, right? The fundamentals of surviving dedicated. And instead of just um, pounding through it, actually feeling good and being in a, um, a right mental space uh, physically, not just sitting down 24 hours a day trying to, you know, cram everything on first aid. So this doesn't just go away after first year. It's throughout the entire career. Yeah. And one of the other things that I want to highlight that Andrea said is um, finding support, right? Um, she, she had, you know, Andrea, you had support with mom. And I think, I think you're right that if mom wasn't here, it may have been a little bit more difficult for you, right? Because you brought a little piece of you from home. Um, but you also found a different support system here, whether it was through, you know, therapy, psychiatry, but also your group of friends, your peers that understood what you were going through because they were going through the same thing. So if anything, you know, reassess what your daily functionality looks like and then find a support system. I feel like that's going to be one of those things that is going to keep, you know, students moving forward is being able to know that you're not the only one in this boat, right? You're not the only one that needs let that, that, uh, what is it, that safety jacket, you know, to keep you from, from drowning. So I, I would say that's another important thing to consider. Definitely. Well, we have our work cut out for us, Valerie. Here I am thinking that they're in this new and better environment. And for those that listen, I mean, you guys know that the number one reason why I do wellness is because I had a similar experience to Andrea of being completely overwhelmed by a new environment. And I want different for you guys. I really do. So I got a long way to go. <laughs> long way to go, or at least in terms like maybe chatting with the students and, you know, reminding them in a world where you can be anything, be kind, stop doing that click stuff. It sucks. Yeah. So yeah, we have, we have our work cut out for us, Valerie. Is there anything else that you ladies wanted to add? Um, from my end, I think that it definitely gets better. Um, when Nabelle would tell me that in session, I didn't believe her. I was like, <laughs> no, it's never going to get liar. better. <laughs> and, you know, she she would always be there to just listen. And if you feel like you don't have a space to cry or to have your boogers everywhere without anybody judging you for it, um, or just to you know, close your eyes, um, or try to meditate. Dr. Scalona's office has that space. Valerie's office was always a safe space, no matter what. I don't know how many tissue boxes I went through, but it was always the place where I knew I could let all the guards down, right? Um, there was no wall to put up because I didn't want mom to see me in that mm -hmm. state, even though she knew that I was struggling. And so, I really appreciated having that weekly session with her um, in person and then over Zoom with the pandemic. And it's okay to be vulnerable. I think that's how you'll, you know, if that's who you are and you want to find those true friends and not just the superficial clicky type of environment, um, that's how they come up because you can connect 
you're actually being yourself no matter what. And you're not putting this face on every day that can be exhausting to pretend. Um, at the end of the day, I, I'm really glad that I'm here and I persevered and, you know, halfway through the degree, almost there. So if you ever need anything, you can always reach out to me or get the contact for um, Dr. Stallone or Valerie. I'm willing to talk to anyone for in the incoming classes. Definitely. Yes. Our doors Thank are you. always open and we love talking to students Absolutely. for sure. For sure. Well, excellent. Well, I think, I think we're good. So Andrea and Valerie, thank you so much for sharing your amazing fund of knowledge with us. I hope students that are listening to this are brave and know that they're not alone and that they can always reach out to us because like we are just so invested in you guys and really want you to be just happy physicians later on. And Andrea, honestly, I can't wait to see the things that you do. You, you are a fantastic student, truly. Thank you. So I watch even sometimes <laughs> yeah. at a distance and we'll <laughs> yeah. see, and we'll see how you do. And again, if for anybody that's listening, you can reach out to Valerie Rivera for any counseling appointments or even just to talk. Um, you can email her directly. And also I will remind our listeners of my SSP for those that like the virtual form of counseling or just having someone to talk to and always my doors open. But again, you can always email me um, at any point in time. And ladies, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs>